When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So I want to take some time today to talk about this big move in silver over the just the last couple days. You know, as of the time that I'm recording this video, uh, a couple hours after market close uh, here in the United States on Wednesday, uh, gold is sitting right around 15 but silver is well above $18 an ounce. You know, it has been a long time since silver has been in the $18 range. So certainly it's, it's exciting. And it's also exciting because, you know, gold has, has been doing well. You know, 1540 is a high level. It has broken through that pretty big resistance level of 1525, 1530. But that's not necessarily news. I mean, it's broken through that uh, previously over the last you know couple of weeks uh, but silver moving up above 1715 ultimately $18 an ounce is I think big news both metals are doing very well but we have seen that ratio that gold to silver ratio drop below 85 to 1 around 84 to 1 uh, encouraging all around and and I think it gives some hope for for us stackers now I, I want to talk a little bit about why you know I I I'm still feeling, sensing maybe a bit of a pullback here in the future. Not, not to crazy low levels, but you know maybe back into the $17 range, 17 bucks an ounce, uh, and, and a you know similar pullback for gold as well. But before I get to that, uh, I want to talk about some of the factors coming into play as to why silver and gold are are doing so well, and, and really. I should add, doing so well during a season in which generally they do very poorly. That's the summer months. I want to sum up these reasons in in two simple reasons. First of all, fears of a global recession, which has caused a uh, a decline in the stock market, but maybe even more importantly, a huge rally in bonds, sending the amount of negative yielding bonds, both corporate and, and government bonds, to, to levels north of like $15 trillion worth of sovereign and, and corporate debt that is now negative yielding. Plus, you know, we're seeing U.S. Treasury bonds continue to sink. The Treasury curve continues to to in, uh, flatten slash invert. You know, we're seeing the U.S. 10-year around 1.4%. The 30-year is like 1.9%. And so with lower and lower rates and, and higher and higher bond prices, that increases the incentive for somebody to own an asset that otherwise doesn't really have a yield other than you know the change in, in price. I'm talking about silver and gold. Gold and silver all of a sudden make a lot more sense when you have German bonds or, or Japanese bonds uh, trading at negative yield. And, and we're not even taking into account inflation. Uh, right now, U.S. bonds, most if not all of the U.S. bond curve is now trading in negative territory when we're talking about real rates. Right, and that all relates to fear of a recession. Plus, you have a dip in the stock market, as well as uh, people just diversifying into precious metals because of fear of of a global, not just slowdown but recession or depression. So that's one piece of it: the global fear of of this. 
But also, what I think is even more interesting than just that is what I'll sum up as strife between countries around the world. Now, obviously, what the media has been focusing on for quite some time now is the strife between the United States and China, and that's the most obvious. The trade war, cold war, currency war, whatever you want to call it. And that, don't get me wrong, is maybe the most prominent of, of these uh, confrontations uh, among nation states. You, you have uh, not only the increase in tariffs, but also things like sanctions, uh, as well as competitive dev- devaluation of the yuan and, and eventually, I think, the U.S. dollar. And I've said many times in the past that it's this trade war, this, this overall currency war, trade war, what I call it, a new cold war, that has a very good chance of being the catalyst for, a next, uh, for the next recession slash depression. And, and I, I think that continues to be the case as things are, are hardly improving on that front and, and both sides are becoming increasingly entrenched, I think, and, and further and further away from a deal. But it's not just the U.S. and China. You're seeing globally that uh, U.S., China, Japan, South Korea, Australia, Canada, Mexico, the European Union, Russia, and others, India as well, are all seem to be moving further and further apart, economically speaking. Now, trade, uh, you know, the globalization that, that you can measure to some extent through trade globally is you know, not seeing a major drop-off as of right now, but you're seeing increasingly countries not so much seeing this as, hey, we're all in this together, but more and more as a zero-sum game. And I think that's playing into this perception with silver and gold as well. You're seeing countries, you know, really with the exception of the U.S., the world over, just about every country or every major currency in the realm of the world, engaging in some sort of devaluation, whether it's more intentional or in the case of China, it's more so them uh, uh, allowing it to happen, allowing the market to trade a little more more freely. But you're seeing, it would appear, many countries trying to devalue their currency relative to the dollar. And what that translates to is with this recent rally in gold in particular, is like all-time highs in some of these currencies for the price of gold. The Australian dollar, I think, is at around all-time highs, uh, gold priced in that currency. Same thing goes for, for the euro, uh, the pound. Uh, many other you know major world currencies are at or near uh, all-time highs, whereas in the dollar, we're still you know a few hundred dollars short of that. And so I think that's playing into it. And I think it's also an expectation of future competitive valuation of the dollar. And that's going to come on two fronts. The first and more likely and maybe more obvious one is going to be from the Federal Reserve. You know, the simple fact of the matter is that of all the major central banks, the Bank of Japan, People's Bank of China, uh, Bank of England, European Central Bank, and, and of course the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve was able to tighten their monetary policy the most relative to the other central banks, meaning that as we head into this next recession, next six months, 12 months, they, in theory, should have much more room to maneuver, right? I mean, look at the the ECB. They're thinking about cutting rates and they're negative right now, right? The Fed, to their credit, 
was able to raise interest rates at least, you know, about 2%, unwind their balance sheet, at least stop QE and unwind their balance sheet a, a small amount. But, but they were able to do something. It gives them more room to maneuver, whereas you see the ECB, the Bank of Japan, you know, still uh, either negative or engaging in QE or both. And, and that's by no means me saying that the European Central Bank, the Bank of Japan, can't go even more negative or can't do more QE. Actually, I'll get more to that here in a second uh, in respects to the, the European Central Bank. But they, in theory, should have less room to do it, meaning that in this next recession, yeah, it's absolutely going to be sparked by a strong dollar. It, it already is, I think, right now. This bubble's being pricked by that. But you're going to see an increased desire from not only our president, but also the Federal Reserve to devalue this dollar, create inflation, cut rates, print money, inflate the monetary supply, whatever you want to call it. It's going to be a devaluation uh, heading into this next recession, right? And that's kind of my perspective on, on those uh, such as Brent Johnson or others that believe the dollar is going to perform very well heading into this next recession because of a flight to to a quality or safe haven asset. And I understand that perspective, but I think the Fed is going to be very aggressive. Uh, the European Central Bank, sure, they might cut rates by another half percentage point, maybe a full percentage point. But the Fed, we're talking about cutting to zero, uh, another 200 basis points, and they, I believe, will go negative. We're talking 250, 300 basis points plus the, the beginning of QE. And so I think it's the expectation of this, this competitive valuation as well as worsening trade situation that's also contributing to this increase in silver and gold. Now, I talked about two things, this, this pullback that I'm sort of anticipating for silver and gold as well as the European Central Bank. And, and they have, those two topics relate to each other. I wouldn't be surprised still, and I said this in my, my price forecast a couple weeks back, to see a pullback in silver and gold, a healthy pullback. I'm not talking $15 silver. I'm not talking $1,300 gold. I'm talking gold, you know, back then I said $1,400. Even that might be a stretch now. Maybe below $1,500, you know, $1,450, something along those lines. Silver, back to $17 an ounce. And I could see that being on the back of a couple different ones, a couple different, you know, catalysts or stories. The first of which being the European Central Bank being more dovish than people expect, causing the euro to, to weaken, the dollar to strengthen. That could be part of it. I think another one that would be uh, on my mind is, is more job owning regarding this, this trade deal and, and these talks between the U.S. and China. My, my base case is still being that, that they're not going to resolve things. But if, if the past 12 plus months are, are any lesson, we should expect, we shouldn't be surprised by, we, sh we should expect either Beijing or D.C. to come out and say, hey, trade docs are going well, we're getting closer and closer to a deal, we're, we're you know, we're on good terms. We've, how many times have we heard that over the last 12 plus months since this whole ordeal began? It's, it's got to be in the dozens of times that we've heard it. And each time markets react, right? So I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, uh, the, the dollar strengthen on that. I wouldn't be surprised to see stocks rally, uh, bonds to sell off, and, and precious metals to sell off on that news. And that could be the dip that we're waiting for. But of course, 
over the long term, I'm still looking at a further escalation of this trade war, this currency war. It's going to become a global issue, meaning the spillover is not only going to affect these other countries, but we're going to see other countries participate in similar actions against the U.S., against China, against each other. Uh, and, and so I think that's going to provide an opportunity. If, you, if you're looking for an opportunity to buy, you know, I had somebody ask the other day, uh, should I buy now or should I wait? Well, you know, silver is looking very strong. Gold is looking very strong. I'm still expecting a bit of a pullback. Don't take any of this as investment advice. Do with that what you will. I think the bull market is still very much alive, obviously. I mean, I'm saying that while they're trending up. But I think they will. The, the bull market for silver and gold will still very much be alive two weeks from now or whatever, hypothetically, if the two metals uh, sell off a fair bit. We could see that ratio move up a bit. And that might be a good entry point, especially for those of you that are still looking to buy silver. I mean, gold at 15, even 1400, I mean, it, it was expensive for me at, at 1200 relative to silver. And so, I mean, you guys kind of know my perspective on that. I just think silver is the better buy right now. And, and we're seeing evidence just in the last couple of days of that ratio moving down. It doesn't seem like a lot, you know, 84 to 1, 85 to 1. But I'll remind you that it wasn't that long ago that the ratio was something like 93 to 1. And I think it's just a matter of time before silver continues to gain momentum, gain attention. And the, the momentum of this economic slowdown of this trade war, of the Fed weakening, that's going to increase in lockstep with, with this bull market in silver. So, again, I haven't really strayed a whole lot. For my listeners, there might not be a whole lot new in this video. Other than just saying, I mean, this is, I'm still expecting a pullback, but the bull market is still on for silver and gold, and, and we've just seen the beginning stages, especially for silver. Uh, I'm expecting a major move up in the coming months, in the coming years for silver. So not a whole lot has changed on that front, but but it is exciting to see it above $18 an ounce. And look, I'm expecting a pullback, but don't take that as me being bearish at all, maybe on a technical basis or a short-term basis, but long-term, I'm, I'm as bullish as ever, and and seeing days like this in the silver and gold market only reinforces my opinion, my belief that this is the big bull market for silver and gold, and and who knows uh, you know, what the limits for the metals will be over the coming months, and, and likely in the coming years. I think this bull market's going to be more than just a just a blow off top and then another couple of years of doldrums like, like the past one. No, I think this one is going to be much more sustained and much more uh, uh, exciting because of, of just declining options for, for investors as central banks are, are shown to be for what they are. And that is, is institutions that uh, over the short term can, can try and boost economic growth through trying to extend a credit cycle. But over the long term, people will, will see that that Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, etc., are largely just good at one thing, and that is increasing debt. And increasing debt to greater and greater extents can only lead to one of two outcomes, either a massive default on that debt and a massive collapse of the financial system, or racking up more and more debt through easier and easier policy, easier and easier lending standards, weaker currency and ultimately what that leads to is a well a weaker currency 
devaluation, monetization of that, etc. So, I mean, that continues to be my opinion on, on silver, gold, the, the, the dollar, and, and so many other fiat currencies the world over. So, as always, you know, I, I want to say I appreciate you guys for, for listening to my videos, listening to my podcast. If you do want to support me, as always, the number one thing you can do to support me, you've already done, and that is listen to this podcast, watch this video. If you want to go above and beyond, liking, uh, commenting, subscribing, those things help out a ton. Uh, leave a review for my podcast. Beyond that, I absolutely appreciate your guys' support on Patreon. You can support me over there. There's a link below in the description. For as little as a dollar a month or as much as, you know, whatever, I, as far as I know, I don't think there's an upper limit. But, but any little help through there absolutely helps me uh, kind of maintain this this constant steady stream of content that I try to provide for you guys. Uh, additionally, there is a link down below to SD Bullion if you want to go through them to uh, purchase your medals that you very well may be buying anyways. Uh, it's sort of an affiliate link and it helps me out and it helps out SD Bullion, which is a, uh, as I always say, a dealer of medals that is founded and run by stackers. So as always, Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.